powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi. Thank you so much. Please, everyone, sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. This episode is brought to you today by the fine folks at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's better, H-E-L-P.com slash Derek Duvall Show. So before we jump into this episode, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, the legendary Homer Hickam. He was such a great guest and such a great sport for making an appearance on the show. If you have not heard our in-depth interview, I strongly advise you to check it out after the conclusion of this episode. So up in episode 186, and we have a really cool episode lineup for you today. We have on the show Partik Saran. Now, Partik is a software engineer, graphic designer, and entrepreneur, having designed the brand new password management system, Uno. Partik will also be talking about his time working with Lady Gaga, Google, and will be dispelling the myth about online password protections. Lots to get into, so let's get Partik out here. Duval Nation, please welcome to the show, calling today from his home in New York City, Partik Saran. Partik, good evening. Welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. How is the weather out by you today? It is great. Uh, it's very hot, but I'm trying to stay, stay cool somehow. All right. So with the pandemic now coming to an end, how was it for you to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic? It was it was tough, uh, I think, as it was for many people. But I think uh, I think what helped was finding ways to just kind of cope through it and finding, um, you know, routines or habits or anything really to sort of keep yourself, you know, sane during during that really crazy period. And, you know, work wise also, like, I think for me, it was a really big moment to put all my sort of energy into getting Uno up and running um, because I had started during the pandemic. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born and what was it like to grow up there? Yeah. So I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area in the East Bay. Yeah. Grew up in the East Bay. And it was, it was a, it's a lovely place to grow up. I feel like there's you're, it's, you're surrounded by nature, surrounded by good weather. Uh, it's not crazy hot as it is in New York right now. And yeah, I also consider it a very inspiring place. Um, I, you know, I, I grew up around, I, I was that kid who was sort of very, early on realized that I wanted to go somehow into the world of computers, design and tech. And I think being in the Bay Area and seeing all the activity that's going on in the world of in the world of tech was really inspiring. And I felt really lucky that I was able to grow up in an area where I was sort of kind of there firsthand to experience it. At what age did you figure out you had a talent for art and design? Uh, it actually took a while. Uh, I am I'm actually not a good illustrator. I cannot draw at all my penmanship. <laughs> horrible and so it it took me a while to realize that 
um, there's other forms of art and design that don't require that, that you can be good at. Um, so I would say like, yeah, I, I sort of uh, grew up with um, one of my family members uh, or relatives was, uh, they, they kind of were in the tech world already. And so I had seen, um, they, they had kind of exposed me to the world of the internet and computers. And I remember at a really young age, I was always sort of fascinated by like, I remember uh, like just computers in general and always kind of poking around. And I remember like, uh, you know, early days of like, uh, like what Apple was making and like just being really inspired by everything they designed. And that's seeing that made me realize this is an area that I would love to go into one day that, that I began to sort of resonate with what good design was. And then most of my high school time actually was spent teaching myself design and learning how to use like illustrator and photoshop going from making like really simple posters that i found online tutorials for to eventually actually designing more software with it and websites and and so that's how i kind of got my foot into the door but even during high school i did not actually think i would go into a career of design i actually thought i would be building software like going into software engineering or something like that and it wasn't towards the time that I was leaving high school that I realized, like, actually, I should I should just go all in on design. Like, I'm I love doing this, and there needs to be more good design in the world. And it turns out there's opportunities out there for people like me. And so that's how I realized I had a thing for it. I was pretty determined to go into this into the tech world as a designer. Um, actually, like during high school, I feel like I don't share this story that often, but I. I would like ditch like around like senior year of high school, I would ditch some of my classes. And um, because I was like, uh, you know, driving distance from San Francisco, I would, uh, you know, try and like network with other people in the industry already and sort of try and uh, figure out like, how can I enter this world as someone who's kind of new to it and, and doesn't know a lot about it and is like graduating high school. I'd love to like just immediately start working in it. Uh, and so I spent a lot of my senior year doing that. And then after I graduated, I actually had a, a little gig lined up and um, was ready to like jump all in on it. That's amazing. You know, it's funny. You, you say you're not a very good illustrator. Like me, by the, arts, by the extent of my artistic abilities is to draw very detailed stick figures. That's, yeah. about, <laughs> you know, that's about as far as I go. That's my, those are my Picasso right there. That's about as far as I go. You, you and me both. You and me both. <laughs> I, I am in the same exact boat. <laughs> so what does a collaboration with Lady Gaga look like? <laughs> Um, oh yeah, that was that was a fun one. Yeah, it was. I, I would say it really pushed my. I think it, it was is a really intellectually stimulating project, uh, just as much as it was exciting to be working with someone like her. Um, and I say intellectually stimulating because you know, as you can imagine, like as you know, like she has such a such a um, distinct persona and personality and you know brand and aura about her, like and. Um, you know the task we were given is sort of take that like energy about her and bring it into a digital world right make a we were sort of tasked with working on a, a iphone and an ipad app that would allow her to engage with her fans it was, it, was, it was meant to be an artistic space it was meant to be a space to listen to her music um and then we all had to kind of make it feel like you're part of her world and that to me was a really interesting challenge how do you take her very in-person like persona and personality and translate into a digital context. Um, and, and she was a great collaborator um, and like had, had, we would do like occasional design reviews with her and um, always had, always had really good ideas that we were able to sort of fold into like the work that we were doing. 
Um, and yeah, I would say it was it was also felt a really like a really rewarding project because it was something that her fans uh, got to play with, and um, it, it sort of really spread out far and wide when we launched. And um, yeah, it felt it felt really special to be part of that journey. Um, something I wasn't expecting was like the like parts of the app that I designed were then taken and like used in like some of her dresses. Like someone made a. Uh, dress for her in one of her performances where she actually had an iPad in the middle of, of her dress and, and it had our app running and like doing all the animations that we had designed for it as she was performing at this concert. Uh, and so I never would have expected it to be used in that way. And, and I think that's what made the project feel even more special um, is just all the kind of like interesting ways it got pulled and stretched into. That's amazing. So what led you to Google? Um, well, so we are we we had actually been working on a design tools uh product that was sort of born actually out of working with lady gaga what we learned it was during that project with her that was that like software designers today um you know people who design apps and websites and all these things at that time were working in a very like static medium in other words they were just drawing pictures and when you're working with phones and apps they move around a lot right you tap a button and it you know, a new screen shows up and so they're very interactive. And so we realized like the software at that time wasn't really good for designing interactive animations, interactive app experiences without having to like pull in an engineer and like spend months on like building a prototype. We wanted any, we wanted to empower designers to be able to prototype these ideas without having to use, you know, get other people involved or spend a lot of time and money. And so we built this design tool that let you do just that. You could build these prototypes and test out your animations um, on your device. And um, Google saw that and I and um, they saw our team and, and what we were doing and, and thought it would be a really good partnership to actually work on it together. And so they acquired our company and we wound up joining them and worked on that in-house um, uh, with them. It's amazing. Yeah. What was the driving force that led you to found Uno? So after I left Google, I actually, so candidly, I wasn't planning to start a security company. I, I'm a designer by training and um, obviously I've like worked in tech and I know sort of how, how most things work under the hood. But what happened was I actually had one of my emails taken over and it happened quite simply. I, um, I had a weak password on there. I didn't have the right security settings turned on. They got into my account and um, they were actually able to get into a few other services. And, and that moment was a pretty scary feeling for me. It felt like a huge violation of my privacy. From there, uh, as I started to recover everything and learn what best practices were, I realized like so much of security is, is cumbersome and technical. It, it takes so much effort to secure your accounts. It, you have to learn all these best practices that oftentimes are a little bit technical and confusing. And, and you know, like I think to me, security feels security feels a lot like flossing. It, it, it feels like it's it's like a chore, and and like nobody ever really wants to do it. Um, but you know, if you do it, it, it'll be it'll be good for you. And I realized that you know, if I'm struggling with this as someone who comes from the world of tech, like I can only imagine what it'd be like for my siblings or my mom who who maybe aren't as tech literate. And so that's what made me want to start Uno and. Um, really sort of give a, a design first look at how, how we can make security approachable to everyone. 
Um, when you look at like a lot of what goes on in the world of security, like when you look at breaches or you know these these incidents that happen, most oftentimes they happen because of human behavior. And to address human behavior, you have to look at how something is designed. And so for me, I, I think security is very much a design problem, and that's why I wanted to start Uno. So for my list is what is the primary mission of Uno? Uh, our goal is to make the internet easier to use, and we're starting with security. So we're building a password manager that is easy enough for anyone to get going with, and and it makes uh, makes it easy to also secure your accounts. And, and then for the uninitiated as well, what are password managers and why do we need one? Yeah. So any any like website you go to, most websites these days, uh, you know, make you enter a username or a password of some sort to get into like your account. And the problem with them though is that like first of all, they're everywhere. And you should be using a different password on every site, but that can be a little bit difficult. Um, at the end of the day, they're just that little bit of friction to get into the website that you want to get into to, to do the thing that you want to do. The benefit of password managers is they kind of remove the, uh, the burden of having to remember all these different passwords and usernames for all these different websites. It's just all kept in one place for you, secure. And then on top of that, they also help you become more secure. They can generate really strong passwords for you and automatically save them. Uh, and they can also autofill for them, uh, autofill that, those details, like your username and password, into the website you're trying to log into. Uh, so for that reason, it's, it, it just makes life easier on the internet and it keeps you more secure. So what are the best steps to protect you know, my online identity online? Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of areas to start, um, but I think the most simple one is like, start with the accounts that are the most important, right? Like your email or your bank accounts, or uh, in some cases, it might be like your social media, uh, financial accounts. The list doesn't have to get very long, but like at least start with those really important ones, which have sensitive data about you. And just start by setting a really strong password on them and setting up two-factor authentication on them. Uh, Two-factor authentication is basically this like extra layer of security you can add to your account that makes sure that like okay you can give the password but you also have to give this like extra like six-digit code and that six-digit code um, will either be sent to you over a text message or it'll uh, there's apps out there like ours uh, that will actually generate the six-digit code for you that you can put it in put in the website and log in and the benefit of that is that even if let's say your password gets leaked out in the wild and somebody tries to log in, they won't be able to get that six-digit code entered. And so therefore, you have that extra layer of security. Those are probably the simplest things I'd recommend uh, in terms of starting. And then to make life easier, I would just say use a password manager to store all these things. Because the benefit of password managers is that, like with us, uh, what we do is we'll store those the username, the password, the six-digit code you have to give. And then what we'll do is we'll actually automatically log you in in a, one click when you're on a website that's asking you to sign in. So we'll just show up and say, which account do you want to sign in with? You select it, and we just autofill all the details for you. So in some ways, using like a password manager like Uno makes the internet a little bit easier to use because you don't have to fumble around with filling out all these forms and clicking all these random buttons and dealing with sign-in pages. It just handles it for you. Fair enough. So AI was once science fiction. Now it's a buzzword. How is Uno using AI and incorporating it in password management? Yeah. Um, so we, you know, something I, I, I really believe in is that if you want to make um, password managers 
you know, if you want to get widespread adoption, you actually kind of have to flip the framing on how you talk about it with, with folks. I actually think that password managers are are great, not because they can store your password, but it's because of everything that comes after it. They make it easier to log into websites. They make it easier to auto for your credit card information or your address or anything like that. And uh, what we've been doing is basically building a bunch of what we're calling like magic experiences that make the internet easy to use. So one example that I mentioned earlier is this uh, concept called magic login. So we actually utilize AI to uh, actually log you into websites with just one click. We, um, without getting too technical about it, um, we basically sort of take a look at like, what are you looking on at the web page? What's being shown on the web page? What fields are there? And what buttons are there? And then we'll basically um, like classify everything for you. And we'll basically just do a really great job of putting in the right data, the right, you know, your right credentials into the right fields and also just logging you in for you. So if it will like, for example, put in the username, the password for you, and then we'll also hit the login button for you. And the AI is really powerful at understanding like under the hood, what's on that web page, what elements are on the screen and making sure that like everything is put into the right, all the data is put in the right places. Uh, and so we're utilizing this tech to basically make the internet a little bit less, um, to have it less friction. And you can imagine like, you know, we make, we're making logins easier right now, but in the future, we're going to uh, make it simple to do checkout flows. So we'll be able to understand like what, you know, what, which fields are on the page and automatically say, hey, let's put in your credit card info here, your address info here, your name here, and hit checkout. And it'll just handle it for you. So uh, we're, we're use, you're utilizing AI to just basically better understand websites and then make your life easier. And I should preface by saying, like, I should add that, like, we do take a very, very heavy privacy stance. So our belief is that we want to respect the user's privacy, we want to respect the anonymity. So Uno never actually, um, you know, we ourselves cannot see any of your data. We can't see what password. We have none of that information. That's actually all owned by you, and it's stored on your devices. Uh, we kind of believe that you should have ownership over your own data. And the same thing, the same thinking applies to AI, where we're not actually, we're not trying to send any of your personal information over to them. Uh, you know, we, we're sending like parts of the web page to kind of just get back, like, hey, what's on the web page here? And that's about it. Um, but everything else, all your like passwords and such, never, never get sent to any large language models. Um, and then also, we we make sure that like they're not retaining any of your data, and neither are we. It's amazing. Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Partik Saran. Mr. just you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long deep breaths. You know, that's right, Cluzo style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Please give your attention to a few friends of my show, and we will be right back. Too young for this trek. The final frontier. These are the voyages of... MC. Troy. And Eric. Their mission to introduce Tyler to strange new episodes. To seek out the best and worst media in the Star Trek franchise. To boldly go where several podcasts have probably gone before. Nah, 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 nah. 
You can listen to these goobers talk about Star Trek by searching for Too Young for This Trek or by visiting probablywork.com. Hello, Duvall Nation. Derek Duvall here. Mental health is not only a top priority in my life, but it should be in yours too. As a combat military veteran, I have seen what untreated mental health looks like, which is why I've been using a therapist for well over a decade. Seeing a trusted therapist has helped me reconcile life events and other important things I've been witness to since returning home from the service and has changed my life for the better in many ways. Which is why going forward I am pleased to announce that BetterHelp will be sponsoring The Derek Duvall Show. BetterHelp is the world's first therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you can expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. More scheduling flexibility and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's betterhelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. Hi there, this is David Sinclair, singer, songwriter, and band leader, and you're listening to The Derek Duval Show. Here's a song called The Bands of London from my latest album, Apropos Blues. You can hear it on Spotify or anywhere else you access good music. I wanna see the bands of London and feel my ears ring like empty shells. I wanna, I wanna see the bands of London This is Benjamin Sledge, author of Where Cowards Go to Die. In my award-winning memoir, you'll discover the raw humanity, intricate complexity, and brutal barbarity of those who served in the Iraq and Afghan wars, and the psychological toll it took on modern veterans. You can purchase Where Cowards Go to Die on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere major books are sold. Look for me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Benjamin C. Sledge. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own, with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts! Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, 
part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. Hey, it's Michelle Fabre, and you're listening to The Derek Duval Show. You can hear my brand new single, I'm All That I Need, on all streaming platforms right now. Hello everyone, this is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, a veteran's journey from homeless to hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 186 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with the CEO of the password management system, Uno, Partik Saran. Now, Google swears by their built-in browser password managers. You know, in your opinion, why are third-party password managers more powerful? Yeah. Well... There's, there's a few different reasons why we, we make life easy and why we're so powerful. The big one, though, is that we're, if you think about like the Googles, the Apples, and the Microsofts, they all kind of store the passwords in their own little silos. And where we help is we kind of build the bridges between those silos. So we say like, hey, if you have, let's say, for example, you use a iPhone for your, for, as your mobile device, and then maybe you're using a Windows PC, as your work desktop. We are really helpful in being able to actually help you log in across those different platforms and you don't have to worry about, you know, what password sitting in one single silo. Uh, So in other words, we make it easy to access your data across different platforms. We are agnostic of whether you like rely on Google or Apple. The other big thing is um, uh, with new emerging uh, forms of authentication, you may have heard of passkeys they actually are removed the need for passwords. And with that, we are also going to be really helpful because we'll be able to synchronize your passkeys across your different devices as well, um, which will again, um, make it so that you can be on different platforms and not have to worry about where you've placed your passkey, which is something that others are, um, like others may not support out of the box immediately. Fair enough. Now, you have been an ambassador and tour organizer for the American Diabetes Association. Mm-hmm. What about this organization means so much to you? Yeah, I'm, well, for one, I'm a type 1 diabetic. Uh, and so I've been uh, involved with the American Diabetes Association for what feels like most of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something, it's a mission that I really resonate with. Uh, they're solving a problem that is affecting more and more people. Diabetes in some form is an epidemic and, and, uh, their mission is to solve that issue. I was I was involved in a number of different ways. Early on, um, it was actually being an advocate for the American Diabetes Association and and trying to um, advocate for um, better rights for children for children who manage diabetes and have to go to school. Um, and then alongside of that, just raising awareness of the cause and helping organize um, one of the larger largest uh, charity bike rides that they do uh, in the Bay Area. 
it was also like a really special moment. This is, uh, I think back a lot when I was volunteering with them in high school where, you know, not only was I doing advocacy work for them, but they were actually my sort of excuse to like teach myself everything about design and like, you know, making websites and, and building little apps. Like oftentimes they were, I was actually trying to build something for them or do a little project. And that's what actually like allowed me to teach myself a lot about uh, design world. And I think another big part of it was it's what made me realize that design can solve problems for people. And it's not just about the graphics or the visuals. It's about how it works too and, and how it impacts people. So the organization is near and dear to me for that reason, actually for multiple reasons. Yeah. I've done the race. You have? I have. Get it oh. here in Tulsa back in 2017. Really? Oh, amazing. Yeah, I have done the race. I, so, that's awesome. What's yeah. your connection to it? Uh, I, I have none. I just was believing the cause and uh, raised money for it and did the race. I, I, was, I used to be, I'm not anymore. My, my knees could given out on it a little bit, but uh, I used to be a cyclist and I oh. thought it was a good cause. So I raised money and decided to uh, do the race. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. I'd yeah. love to hear that. Yeah. All right. So Pierre de Coubertin said the most important thing in life is not the triumph, but the struggle. If you get a chance to talk to your younger self, what do you say to him? That's a great question. I would say be ready, be ready for anything um, and don't give up. Like, like persistence is, is such an important key to I feel like what, what we do and to like, you know, whether it's company building or, you know, riding bikes, it's, it's a journey and just, yeah, keep going. Um, it'll, it'll all work out. So what's next for Partique? Good question. Uh, well, we have, I feel like the big thing for us is we're going to be launching a lot of our AI products that we've been talking about um, uh, imminently. So I'm really excited about that. We have the Tour de Cure uh, race coming up in October. I'm going to be going back out to the Bay Area to ride that. And yeah, just kind of continue to to uh, build Uno and, and try to get everyone onto a password manager so that the internet can be a safer place. Nice. As we enter the final phase of the interview, I always like to ask one fun question. Partik, what do you like to do for fun? How do you like to relax? Do you do you relax? I don't know. <laughs> wow, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, the short answer is no, I don't think so, but I should. <laughs> I I think cycling is a really near and dear sport to me. And so that 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 is probably the main thing that keeps me busy outside of work. And then, yeah, outside of that, just spending time with friends. I, I think it, it really helps to have that that community around you to uh, supporting what you're doing. And sometimes they're there to vent with you or um, just hear you out. So I'm really grateful for them. And yeah, and to just also, yeah, try and find time to relax and go on walks and enjoy the city. So when you live in New York City, where do you cycle? I'm still discovering the routes here. I've been doing laps in Central Park. I've been doing laps in Prospect Park. Been meaning to like sort of go upstate at some point, but um, so far it's been mostly local short rides. I'm hoping to kind of branch out as uh, the weather cools down over here. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? Yeah. Best way is uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm just at Partik Saran. And I'm also on LinkedIn as, as just Partik Saran. And then um, also to give Uno a follow, uh, we're at uno.app. 
and uh and in identity on twitter all right yeah partik i am my interviews with my favorite question yeah and the question is this if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of earth good luck <laughs> i love it <laughs> good question. that's good i like that <laughs> Partik, congratulations on all your success, and thanks for taking the time to come on the show today. This has been a real pleasure. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. And just like that, Duval Nation, we come to the end of episode 186. I want to thank Partik for taking the time to come on the show. What a great guest. And I had a great time getting to chat with him after the interview was over. Partik, my friend, you are welcome back on the show anytime. Okay, tune again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really good one coming up in a few days, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask you, the listener, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have, so please go and hit that subscribe button to keep up to date for when new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad. We are still enjoying our partnership with the amazing Tee Public. The Derek Duvall Show has a great little store on there. We have everything without a logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. Plus, we have some really fun t-shirts on there that Mrs. Duvall and I added ourselves. So please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com. Go to the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on Tee Public. And once again, I want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. On behalf of myself and the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening... Are you going to check out that Taylor Swift's Errors Tour concert film? Mrs. Duvall and I have our tickets. Looks like it's going to be a fun evening. That lady might just be the most in-demand entertainer in the world. And I'm going to be the first to admit, her music isn't half bad. No star, God bless. And see you next time. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.